Good morning, WrestleZone. Happy Thursday. It is me, Nick Hausman, at WZ Rebel over on Twitter, back to uh, host another episode of uh, your favorite pro wrestling daily punditry show. I'm joined here today in the co-host seat by our good friend from Live Audio Wrestling, Wei Ting. Wei, welcome back to WZ Daily. Oh, thank you again for having me. My pleasure. It's a, it's a law. It's a law week because we had uh, Jimmy Corderas on yesterday, and now you're here. It's great. All my favorite Canadians. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're taking over. Isn't it weird to you a little bit that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are both bad guys now, and they're Canadians, right? Both Canadians, proud Canadians, but they don't make it about how like they hate America. You know, that's not what they're all about. They're just bad people. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know if it's uh, weird. I I mean, maybe pleasant. I honestly, not even a thought that really crossed my mind because those two are just so talented that I don't even necessarily think of them as being um, straight up Canadian great wrestlers. I just think of them as great wrestlers. Yeah, see, I think of them as Canadians, and I'm like, I don't like these guys with their mm. with their Canadianness and their maple syrup blood. I don't like it. Well, they're well, they're French Canadian, so maybe maybe there's that distinction. Ah, Quebecers. Yeah. Mm. I'm sorry. They're both great. Um, let's get to the news. A lot of news broke here in the last 24 hours. Uh, we have six big matches here today. We call our news segments matches here because the news is lame and pro wrestling is awesome. Uh, our first big match here today, let's let's grapple with Jimmy Jacobs. Jimmy Jacobs, former Ring of Honor star. Uh, he transitioned to an agent role with WWE. I've heard everything about his influence on creative. I know he was with NXT for a while. He'd been on the road. Uh, well, the twist here in the past 24 hours, Pro Wrestling Sheet is reporting that Jimmy Jacobs has been released by WWE because he posted a photo on Instagram, if I'm correct, of himself and the Young Bucks during the infamous Bullet Club invasion of Raw. Uh, Jacobs has put out a tweet already uh, responding to it. Uh, it's like a shirt he's made that's selling ProWrestlingTees.com now uh, about he's unprofessional, I think is what it said, and it's him and him and the Young Bucks there. They really, here's what I gather from this way, they really did not like that invasion. I'm guessing Vince really did not like the invasion because they, they've dropped the hammer pretty hard on just about anybody who was even in smelling distance to this thing. Oh, I think that's very apparent, even from that cease and desist the the, the day right after. But uh, yeah. this was just, I mean, from 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 what I've heard from people like Dave, that it, it wasn't just that incident, but I mean, it was obviously a contributing factor to Jimmy Jacobs' release. I'd like to know what the other factors were, but the fact that this even registered as anything, <laughs> you know, that 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 seemed to 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 irk Vince as much as it seemed to have is quite ridiculous and who's the winner who's the loser i think it's very clear uh well first of all the loser might be jimmy jacobs bank account unfortunately but who knows uh, maybe he'll go on to to you know pick up a a better role it, it remains to be seen if he'll continue wrestling or if he'll just try to find a, a writing job maybe with a a smaller promotion maybe a ring of honor who knows but i think from a pr perspective wwe is definitely the big loser here yeah i i don't um i i think that this is probably it, it tells you more about how they feel about the independence right now than anything else i uh i think that they're very much in the attitude of they are 100 percent going to try to lock down pro wrestling right you're going to get your tentacles all over the planet you're going to pick out the indies that you like in the different markets you're going to make friends with them you're going to create these pipelines this is not that. This was something out of their control, and uh, I think that that is what really rubbed them the wrong way. And I think that's why they, they tried to scare everybody here with the, the legal things and firing people and all that. I think that they just didn't like that they couldn't control the situation, if I had to guess, if I had to glean 
based off the way they've been doing business recently. But um, of all incidents, I mean, the, to be mad at these indie guys who are it's parodying. Bullet, dude, it is Bullet Club. It is a, they're in Hot Topic. This is an international brand. I think that we don't take Bullet Club maybe as serious as they do. I think they take them far more seriously. I'm sure that's the case. But, I mean, to do it, to be angry at something that was a parody of something that you had done 20 years ago, Yeah, I, I just find it hilarious. It's amazing. This is, I mean, if anything, they should just, I think ignoring it would have been the best thing, but now they've really blown this thing up. It's true. It's true. And the Bullet Club now is doing like a one finger thing. They're not even too sweet in each other. It's like the E.T. touch. That's their new hand sign I saw online. Um, well, the the independent scene is about to become very crowded because now Jimmy Jacobs available. I'm sure he's going to go out and start wrestling again on the independents. Uh, somebody else who may be out wrestling on the independents here pretty soon, too. In match number two, let's grapple with Neville. Now, we talked a little bit about Neville yesterday. There were some conflicting reports coming out between Pro Wrestling Sheet and PW Insider about whether or not Neville had actually asked for his release from the company. Uh, today, Meltzer, actually I should say last night, put out the Observer newsletter saying that according to a source that's very close to the situation, Neville is 100% gone from the company and that Kalisto's title win was a last-minute decision because, and it was made by Vince because nobody else could think of anything better considering the situation they were in. It sounds like they asked Neville to lose a non-title match to Enzo and he instead chose to leave the building, which is, you know, whatever. Um, and yeah, they went with Kalisto here, or Kalisto here, and in the end it'll sound like Enzo will eventually... Get this title back. This is only a temporary fix here, putting the title on Kalisto. Man, just sounds like he just got frustrated. I talked to Corderas about this yesterday, and Corderas just kind of said that he doesn't think it's professional while you're under contract to leave like this, even if you are very, very frustrated. How do you feel about Neville's walkout way? I could see Jeremy's point, uh, and I think many people would not do that, and they would simply, you know, conduct business and leave. And... um. However, just as uh, somebody or, or, or just as t somebody watch, uh, uh, watching this from the outside, I really respect anybody who, you know, who has the, I guess, the, I don't know, the, 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 the enough, enough pride to, to, to just not be happy and to walk out on probably, you know, the most money that they probably ever made in their career up until this point. Yeah. Uh, Neville is somebody who worked many years to try to get to this position and worked really hard once he got that cruiserweight title to really kind of um, show the world what he was capable of and what the cruiserweights were capable of. And I think for him to take a stand like this, obviously it's personally beneficial for him in his career, but I think he's also somebody who's looking at all of his other options right now. He doesn't probably need the WWE in order to make a good living. He's shown that he could uh, wrestle. Obviously, everybody knew that. But with this last one, he's shown that he could talk to and that he could be a leading star. Similarly, uh, similar to the level of, of a Cody who's done tremendously well on the independents. So I think Neville probably at this point feels like, you know, I don't need this bullshit. Me staying here. Uh, losing to people like Enzo won't necessarily improve my stock at all in the wrestling world. Maybe I should get out of here right now and take advantage of this blossoming indie scene. Yeah, I, and you you think about it, right? Jimmy Jacobs, Neville, Austin Aries. These are all names, it sounds like, that could be wrestling on independent shows probably against each other here in six months. And you're you're just throwing more fuel on a fire 
that is, you know, like we talked about in that first match there with the Bullet Club invasion, how seriously is WWE taking this? Are they realizing maybe they're losing a little control of the market? Is that why they're dropping hammers as hard as they are right now? I, I definitely think there's something to that. You probably saw a lot of that, you know, uh, in previous years when they were trying to scoop up all the talent from the independents and trying to make NXT that real alternative. Uh, I, I, I think it's been really interesting over the past couple of years to see the growth of the independents and, and just how, how awesome of a scene it is and to see how many fans are um, the, no, no real fans, I think, are, 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 are leaving and stopping to watch the WWE. I think a lot of hardcores actually are, uh, and they're moving on to Ring of Honor, moving on to New Japan. But um, it's not enough to make a big of a difference uh, to the bottom line of the WWE. But still, you know, it's moves like this that really affect their PR, that, that really kind of anger that hardcore fan base. And I think maybe prompt a lot of people to just say I'm never going to watch and support this company for at least the next little while and I'm going to follow instead all of these independent guys that I, I'm much more loyal to uh, well, let's talk about a guy who is uh, definitely not an independent guy let's grapple with Brock Lesnar here in match number three uh, current universal champion of WWE Wrestling Observer uh, again out of the newsletter yesterday reporting that Brock's uh, final dates for WWE could come at WrestleMania 34 or right after. Now, he does have the ability to renew. Many people think that he will renew. Why wouldn't he renew? Well, that's because Dana White has teased that Brock, you know, if he was going to have a UFC fight, it couldn't happen until August because he's under WWE contract. So, of course, if he didn't renew around April when WrestleMania is, that would give him four months to prep for a UFC fight, which would, boom, whoa, crazy, be right in the summer, uh, July, August time frame there for Brock to come back and uh, get into an octagon fight. Now, Meltzer notes here, again, another reason that Brock would probably renew his WWE contract is he's going to be 41 when this UFC fight comes around. You're right. At 41, is it better to, you know, stay with this consistent WWE contract you have, make that money, or do you want to take a gamble, and do you want to put yourself into an octagon here? Uh, what, do you think, uh, what do you think Brock Lesnar will be doing here next summer? Do you think he'll be at SummerSlam, or do you think he'll be in UFC, Way? Um, I think it remains to be seen. I don't know what he's considering in, in terms of a potential opponent with the UFC. I do think he would seriously consider it because uh, when you, if you remember all the John Jones speculation, I mean that that whole thing really seemed to be the the fight that I think right. the biggest fight that the UFC could could have made at that time. And uh, at this point, obviously, that's not happening. But um, you know, a Brock Lesnar comeback, I'm sure, is still something that the UFC is really hoping for um and if they have an attractive opponent for enough for him I, and if the money is right i'm sure brock would take the time to do it because even though he's 41 the guy's still brock lesnar you know he's like a, a um just an athletic freak so i wouldn't consider 41 to be the same for him as for somebody else i think he would still have a tremendous chance at beating a lot of heavyweights at the age of 41 so i think brock you know ultimately I don't think he'll let anybody really know. Um, I'm sure he's like he's done for the past several years using both to to kind of um, both the UFC and the WWE to play towards his advantage to negotiate. And that's the um, thing. I think that's really more of what this is, right? Is that you got to make it seem like, wow, maybe I will go to UFC, right? Because you got to have some leverage when you come back around to renew this contract here around WrestleMania. 
Completely, and Brock knows that you know Ring of Honor or New Japan uh, aren't necessarily the ones that he has to uh, help him negotiate, unlike a Neville or or whoever else, for instance. Man, Brock Lesnar in the Bullet Club. Can you imagine? Oh my God. Mm, man. Maybe Brock wow. Lesnar versus Bullet Club, right? All of them. Brock Lesnar, Kenny uh, Omega. That would be something. Uh, it would light the uh, independents and or at least New Japan on fire, but uh, yeah. I, I don't see them being able to afford him. <laughs> he ain't doing that. My prediction next summer. I think Brock is going to be uh, probably back at SummerSlam. I don't think he's going to do the UFC deal. I think it is just a bargaining thing, but we'll see. Uh, let's talk about Fashion Files. Fashion Files, match number four here. Popular vignettes on SmackDown Live featuring Brazango, Fandango, and Tyler Breeze. Uh, at Hell in a Cell, they teased that they were coming back with a new case, right? It's going to be Pulp Fashion. It's going to be Pulp Fiction themed. Uh, this new series did not air on SmackDown Live, but... At the vignette at Hell in a Cell, they tease this 2B. What is 2B, right? They had this tube in the in the whatever the case file here for this new case, tube, 2B. Well, on SmackDown, there was this team that debuted, the Bludgeon Brothers, Luke Harper, Eric Rowan, and now there's speculation that this 2B, BB, Bludgeon Brothers, maybe Bludgeon Brothers are the ones that have been uh, attacking Brazango there. Just speculation, nothing confirmed, but it does seem does seem logical enough here. Uh, one at a time here. Bludgeon Brothers. What do you what do you think of this repackaging of the former Wyatt family members? I think it's terrible. Agreed. I th- Agreed. I think it's laughable. I mean, um, <laughs> I don't think it's enough of a departure from where they were as part of the Wyatts to make it seem like it's any type of improvement. No. But especially the name Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, it's it's just it sounds corny. It's like this, uh, Marvel Comics wouldn't even come up with a, a, a name like that for any of their characters. It's just it's it, it takes them definitely down a notch. And I can only really justify it if it is simply to, uh, somehow playing into this uh, fashion files thing and they they turn it into camp, which would be unfortunate for those characters. Yeah, uh, man. And they had them hammers, right? And they look like did you kind of get the vibe? They look like trolls from Lord of the Rings or something like that. Uh, I didn't then, but uh, yeah, I do now, yes. Yeah, you or know. like Warcraft or something. Warcraft, yes, totally, with the big beards and the hammers like that. They look like, you know, big dwarf people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I have no idea. Uh, but also, Brizongo, I, I don't really know what, uh, what's going on with them because uh, they're putting all this stuff out. And it's been so inconsistent and it's been so delayed that I just uh, it's hard to kind of care that much Uh, for me. At least I find that, uh, you know, the constant delays and the constant uh, announcing of of the shows only to to not actually get them on SmackDown. um, it, It shows that maybe Vince or whoever doesn't care enough about this to kind of, you know. Well, continue with it on a consistent basis. Look, those guys came out and they got a huge reaction. They hadn't—I don't think they'd been on screen for SmackDown like in front of a live crowd in a while. It felt fresh for them coming out in front of that live crowd like that. 
Definitely. Oh, yeah, they're they're massively over for to this audience. Um, I just don't see them really getting that level of respect, though. You know, know. In, in terms of how they're being treated. Well, you you know, look, the Usos. What you what you make of the Usos like takedown of the entire tag division? He almost like Enzoed, like Enzo cruiserweighted. You know, Enzoed the cruiserweight division came mm-hmm. out, put some people over, buried Mojo Raleigh. Uh, I mean, it kind. Of, I mean, yeah. Is it a way to revive the tag division? You've got more focus passed around a little bit, I guess. But what do you think about the kind of direct way they went about it? I personally didn't mind it. I mean, I feel like it's a way, like, because in many ways they were speaking the truth. You know, they were only echoing sentiments from the audience. And if you really look at the division, I mean, the Usos and the New Day are are far and away above the rest. So yeah. I I took it almost as like a sort of a a way to challenge the other teams to really kind of prove themselves. And it's up to the follow-up to to have a Brizango or a, a Gable and Benjamin to really step up and say, hey, look, we're relevant as well. Yeah, let's talk about somebody who uh, was relevant this past Monday night on Raw. Match number five here. Let's grapple with Elias Sampson, the drifter. He's been on Raw for a couple months now. This past Monday night on Raw, he was wrestling Apollo Crews, uh, Titus, O'Neil, Titus O'Neil. Came out, played a little banjo before that, uh, if you remember correctly. Uh, but during the match with Apollo Crews, Elias Sampson did Undertaker's old-school maneuver off the top. Bully Ray tweeted out uh, that he one time rolled his eyes like The Undertaker on TV, and he got a call about it. He is very sure that Elias is probably in big trouble with The Undertaker as well for doing his move. I was really surprised he did The Undertaker old-school. I mean, it's so definitively like an Undertaker thing. I didn't get it. I, I'm with you. I, I mean, I, I don't feel like you typically see a move like that done no. unless it was to draw a direct association. Right. So Right. And so what it like what does that mean? Like if there is something to be said, are they like gonna do taker Elias? I feel no. Like, no. There's no way. No. There's no way they would they would do that. I, I at least I don't think so. Um I I'm not really sure. It could simply be um you know, the fact that they thought it was a cool move. Walk with Elias. He does the uh, rope walk. Maybe. Could be as simple as that. But I had to, I have to be, I mean, I would 100% assume uh, for, that Elias got permission and got the okay to do that from at least an agent or somebody in the back <laughs> before he actually went out and did that move. Knowing that he was going to take the Undertaker's move and that knowing <laughs> how sensitive wrestlers are about people taking their moves and him being a new guy. I had to imagine that he at least got the approval from somebody uh, uh, higher up in the back. Maybe this was the last match Jimmy Jacobs ever booked. Oh, (laughs) as a protest. Yeah. Hey, here's a suggestion. Use the most respected wrestlers (laughs) signature move. Yeah. Everybody's doing it. Elias. Just do it. It's common in NXT right now. I know you're not watching it. Do it. Just do it. Um, What about this? What about if Elias, you know, he's the drifter. So you get this vignette. He's walking down the tracks, right, all by himself. He's got he's got his guitar. He's got no shirt on, never wears a shirt, right? And he's cold. And he comes down the tracks. And he comes across a hat and a coat and some gloves. Wow. And, right? And he, and he picks him up, and he puts him on. And he he's slowly been becoming the new Undertaker because he found the Taker's clothes out by the tracks. Well, I mean... Um, they could do it. They own the gimmick. And I mean, if, if you follow their logic, they, they would, they could perhaps say, Hey, we own the gimmick. Why are we putting, leaving this money on the table and having it retire with this old man? We'll just recast. Yeah. That's what they they do in Lucha Libre. They do it in Lucha Libre all the time. Yeah. No, the audience 
would hate it. And the audience would turn on it uh, probably sooner than they turned on fake razor and fake diesel. Um, so, I mean, they could try it. I don't put it past them that they would even try something like that. But I don't think they would for, Spe- for somebody like The Undertaker. Speaking of respecting Undertaker and his infamous hat and, and coat, when Dolph D- Ziggler did The Undertaker's entrance, remember that, like a couple weeks ago on SmackDown? Yeah. That looked like Undertaker's actual gear that he left in the ring at WrestleMania. Oh, for sure. It looked the size too big for him. Uh, for Dolph to wear, so I would assume that it was actually Taker's. That's so crazy to me. Like, yeah. if that is Undertaker's actual like quasi retirement gear that he left in the ring at Mania and they used it for that spot, I don't know. <laughs> just weird. I'm sure they just keep all that stuff in the vault <sighs> with the SmackDown fist. <laughs> with the fist. With the fist. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, all right, last match here. Six matches. Final match, Lucha Underground. They're on El Rey. They are now streaming on Netflix. They are going to be doing their season three finale, Ultima Lucha Trey, part four. And it is going to debut at a private screening in Los Angeles, October 17th. And it will be the first United States television series to be featured in this new 4DX style of entertainment. It is like a... You ever been to like Disney World? You know, you go and you sit there and it's the fully immersive experience mm-hmm. you know, smells and uh, your your seat vibrates you know it's supposed to affect all five senses lucha underground 4dx that's going to be going down i just thought that was a cool thing it is cool i've actually seen a 4dx movie in theaters i saw a uh, fantastic beast uh in 4dx and it's fun it's cool uh, you know, like what, what I especially like is like sometimes you'll see like big sweeping, uh, you know, uh, jib shots and the chair will move along with the direction of the jib. So it feels like you're kind of gliding into the scene. So all that's neat. I don't know how that necessarily translates to professional wrestling. It's it's really interesting. You know, I assume the, the seat will shake at any kind of major impact, which could be fun, which could be annoying. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm fascinated if there's a show to do it with, it would definitely be Lucha Underground where they're a lot more cinematic with their, uh, cut scenes. And uh, if you want to call them that, um, and you know, it's pre-produced. So I guess you can get away with, uh, doing something like this. I'd be curious. I'm curious. I don't necessarily th- think it'll take off. Uh, I don't think it probably will exist beyond this private screening in LA, but it's fascinating. I yeah, I'm very interested in it. I think you know if they want it to be real true to form, it says they like mist water and stuff. They should just like it should smell like dude sweat, right? Like if you really want to get the experience, mm. kind of you know smell like kind of like you're in a men's locker room, right? I think that's what the the full if you want to get fully immersive about what the the temple smells like, you know? Yeah. Well, how would they get water effects? You know, like uh, like if somebody spit spit mist out, maybe you can get like. Mist, misted. Um, let me think. You could they, so, somebody gets dropped through a pane of glass, right? They could drop glass on your head. Oh, nice. There's like a like a really like somebody blades just like sprinkle some blood. Dude comes over. Cuts, dude comes over, cuts you in the head, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You you know the possibilities are endless. So um, I'd be curious. I'd be curious to hear some reviews about this screening. Dude, just walking around with a knife. All right. <laughs> yeah, know, yes. Cutting every sh- single member of the audience. <laughs> wow. This is the worst movie I've ever been to. Yeah. yeah. And I saw Mother. Did you see Mother? No. Garbage. Don't see it. Mm. Uh, all right. So that brings us to the end of the show, guys. That is all the, the pro wrestling punditry for the last 24 hours. Uh, I'll be back to close out the week tomorrow, Friday, on WZ Daily with Capital Wrestling's Matty Ryan 
Of course, you can get all of our great wrestling punditry podcasting content over at WrestleZone Radio on iTunes. Just yesterday, not only did we have the Daily with Jimmy Corderas, we had the SmackDown Rebellion with Joe Jan and BWO. Uh, we also had the full audio from the GFW Media Call with Josh Matthews talking about the new Global Wrestling Network. Gail Kim was also in the call talking about their women's division. And our good friend Ross Berman from the Raw Rebellion now working Friday afternoons on the news shift. He's officially on the WrestleZone payroll here. And so we have given Ross his first big interview. He's a huge New Japan fan. So he sat down with Rocky Romero yesterday. Rocky is doing this amazing charity to raise uh, a charity auction to raise money for people affected by the hurricanes down in Puerto Rico where his family is that some of his family actually lives. He tells this incredible story about completely losing contact with his grandfather and like his cousin posted a photo of his grandpa where it was and some doctor waited like four hours through floods and like found him and took a photo of him and sent it back. I mean, incredible. Oh, wow. Right? That's amazing. Yeah. Wow, holy shit. Ross came back and he's yeah. like, I did the interview and I listened to it. I was like, Ross, this is very, very good. This is good. Mm. Yeah, he did a great job. Um, and they talked about uh, Rapongi 3K uh, now that him and Brett are no longer together. A reformat, a new Rapongi. No longer Rapongi Vice, Rapongi 3K. So go listen to that. Uh, Ring of Honor Global Wars will be in Chicago here this Sunday. It'll be an iPay-Per-View event. Uh, Kenny Omega is headlining. Actually, it's not. It's Bullet Club versus Search and Destroy in the main event. But Kenny Omega will be defending the IWGP United States Championship uh, for the first time, I believe, since the G1 Long Beach Special. Uh, we'll be there on the ground, me and Ross both. And this fun, this fun Friday, this Friday of Honor, tomorrow, we're going to be releasing, I think, like three Ring of Honor interviews. I know I've got Flip Gordon, Chris Sabin this afternoon, and uh, we're working on maybe one more as well. And then, of course, day of, we'll get a whole bunch of Ring of Honor interviews. So uh, be sure to follow us on social media at WrestleZone.com, uh, Facebook.com slash WrestleZone.com, and use the hashtag WZDaily. We'll be diving into the mailbag tomorrow. Find me next week in Black Label Pros, the Darkest Timeline, Championship Tournament Phase 2 in Crown Point, Indiana. Uh, and that's all I've got. Way, what would you like to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the show today? Just the usual. You can find uh, all of my stuff uh, at liveaudiowrestling.com. Uh, I, I do uh, reviews of Raw, SmackDown, and then classic shows uh, once every other week um, with my co-host, John Pollock. And, uh, yeah, check us out there. And also on Twitter, Way0937.